0: Self-care options are such a great way to really take care of our bodies and nourish our bodies so that we ease through this transition with grace. Many of us are working really hard in our careers with our families, so perimenopause comes on earlier and stronger. We often delay caring for ourselves, and really, it's time to call in those reinforcements and do this. The reason why I see perimenopause coming on earlier for women is that we are just completely burned out. No wonder our hormones are screaming at us a little bit earlier than they should be. Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Today, I am here to shed light on what is really going on with us during perimenopause and what we can do about it. The good news is we have a lot more control over our hormones and how our hormones transition. But before I share with you what we can do to get through this transition with ease and grace, I want to first paint a picture of what is actually going on inside of our bodies during perimenopause into menopause. Now, in my conversations with literally thousands of women, I have realized one big truth, and that is we have been misinformed or not at all informed about the 10 plus year hormonal transition that can start as early as our mid to late 30s. Now, what I want to do is first begin with our reproductive years and how our menstrual cycle functions each month so that you can understand what is going on once we begin to transition into perimenopause and menopause. Now, during these peak reproductive years, the amount of estrogen in circulation rises and falls fairly predictably throughout the menstrual cycle. Estrogen levels are largely controlled by two hormones, the follicular-stimulating hormone and the luteinizing hormone. Now, the follicular-stimulating hormone stimulates follicles, these fluid-filled sacs in the ovaries that contain the eggs, to produce estrogen. Now, when estrogen reaches a certain level, the brain signals the pituitary gland, which is inside of the brain right in the limbic system, to turn off the follicular-stimulating hormone and to produce a surge of luteinizing hormone. This in turn stimulates the ovary to release the egg from its follicle, which is ovulation around day 13 to day 15 of your cycle. Now the leftover follicle produces progesterone in addition to estrogen in preparation for pregnancy. Now quick note, this is why we must ovulate in order to produce progesterone in the second phase of our cycle known as the luteal phase. Now, as these hormone levels rise, the levels of the follicular stimulating hormone and the luteinizing hormone, they drop. Now, if pregnancy doesn't occur, progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone falls and our menstruation takes place, which is the very beginning of our cycle. Basically, the first day of your period is the first day of your cycle, and everything starts all over again. And if you want to know more, I actually go into a ton of more detail in episode number 41, How to Own Your Menstrual Cycle with Hormone Balancing Essential Oils. And I literally break down every single phase of the cycle. Now, by our late 30s, What happens is we are not producing as much progesterone, which can cause estrogen dominance. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. Now, perimenopause can start as early as age 35, or can start about 10 plus years before menopause, depending on who you ask. And it's defined as the slow transitional decline of your ovaries as a player in your endocrine system. Now, accompanying that is a slow decline in fertility that speeds up in our early to mid 40s. Also, the number and quality of follicles also diminish, causing a decline in estrogen production and fewer ovulation. As a result, by our 40s, cycle length and menstrual flow may vary and periods may become irregular. This is definitely something I hear from a lot of women in their mid-40s and older. Estrogen may drop precipitously, or spike higher than normal. It's kind of like you'll you'll see on a, on a, on labs that estrogen's kind of on this rapid roller coaster ride, and it can feel a little bit out of control. Over time, your follicular stimulating hormone levels rise in vain to attempt to prod the ovaries into producing more estrogen. Although a high folliculating stimulating hormone level is a sign that perimenopause has begun a single reading of your FSH isn't reliable indicator because the day-to-day hormone levels can fluctuate dramatically. Now, one of the things that is definitely a concern here is that many women are actually delaying childbirth or they are being hit with a double whammy of trying to conceive while dealing with perimenopause. Still, others are experiencing troubling perimenopause symptoms while raising young children. And the only reason why I bring this up is that there's, not that there's more complications, but that there's more things to be considering as our hormone levels begin to fluctuate, especially the hormone, the hormones such as luteinizing hormone and follicular stimulating hormone, because that's what's going to really allow us to release that egg so that we could potentially get pregnant at that particular time in our life. Now, in a couple of episodes from now, so later down the line, I'm bringing on Dr. Gabriella Rosa to share her expertise in fertility and perimenopause. So if you're heading into your late 30s, early 40s, and still wanting to conceive, this upcoming episode that I'm going to be doing pretty soon with Dr. Gabriella is going to be worth checking out. She is the definitive expert for really helping women to increase their fertility as we get older. Now, in a nutshell, this is ultimately what I'm trying to say here, is that perimenopause is a period that extends for a long time before menopause when the ovaries are slowly declining in their role and ability. Estrogen levels fluctuate rapidly as the ovaries slack off and the brain then pushes the ovaries to work harder. And that's through those, those two hormones that I mentioned, through the follicular stimulating hormone and the luteinizing hormone, most specifically the luteinizing hormone. Meanwhile, missed ovulation or lower Egg quality means less progesterone is being made to balance estrogen, causing that estrogen dominance that I was talking about. So, so often women in perimenopause, were are seeing estrogen dominance only because estrogen is higher in relationship to progesterone and progesterone isn't able to balance that out. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the physical changes of perimenopause, which are oftentimes rooted in hormonal alterations, particularly in the varying variations of circulating estrogen so estrogen is definitely sending us along for a wild ride so this is what could potentially be going on so as you can imagine or maybe have experienced hormone levels vary person to person and there's a lot of factors that come into play and i'm going to address those in a moment as well before I talk about symptoms and signs to look out for, I want to quickly shed light on menopause. Only because I want you to understand what menopause is defined as because I know how difficult it can be to be in this limbo of am I in perimenopause, am I in menopause, like where am I? You know, and even postmenopause, because sometimes those symptoms can even continue after that kind of distinctive menopausal period. So menopause in our cultural vocabulary describes the symptoms of hot flashes and night sweats. It's usually what we think about when menopause hits, we're like, oh my gosh, we've got all these crazy symptoms. But menopause is actually the cessation of our menstrual cycle. And you know it's done. It's a it's a done deal when you haven't had a cycle for a year. So menopause is when ovaries stop making estrogen and other sex hormones like progesterone and testosterone, causing a women to have no period for 12 consecutive months. Although other parts of the body will make these hormones, like your adrenals, their levels decrease significantly during menopause. So they'll be what we call kind of that. That menopausal low. Now, I want to get into perimenopausal symptoms. It can be difficult to distinguish hormonally-based symptoms of perimenopause from more general changes in our body due to inflammation, decreased in resilience, gut issues, and common midlife events such as a child leaving home, changes in relationships and careers, or even the death of a family member or a parent or a friend. So a lot of these things are happening during this part of our life as well that also play a role in our vitality and our health and our cellular functioning. So note that the reason why this particular period can be a little bit challenging to figure out, there's a lot of other players at work that's having an impact on our health and it's compounded on top of the fact that we're dealing with these hormone fluctuations. So given the range of women's experiences of perimenopause, it's unlikely that symptoms depend on hormone fluctuations alone. Hormone fluctuations may bring about a range of changes including hot flashes, night sweats, sleep disturbances, heavy menstrual bleeding, and other signs of perimenopause include memory changes, urinary changes, vaginal changes a shift in sexual desire and satisfaction, and even things like brain fog and memory changes. Some women breeze through this transition like it is no thing. But for many others, hormonal changes create a wide range of discomforts. And for about 30% of women, the hormone fluctuations are so wild and unpredictable and spiking and falling with estrogen and progesterone One can really go through a battery of migraines, weight gain, sore breasts, severe night sweats, sleep trouble. I mean, we've seen so many, I've seen so many of these symptoms in women who are just feel like they're crawling out of their skin because they're not exactly sure what's going on. So as you can imagine for this group, perimenopause can be enormously disruptive, both physically and emotionally, especially when you're not exactly sure what to look out for or even what's going on in the body. So what should we be looking out for? What I wanted to do is detail some of the most key symptoms that we see a lot of women experience during perimenopause. Now I will speak to this, I am age 39. If you didn't know how old I am, I'm telling you now. And I'll be honest with you, I've already began to experience a lot of these changes. I was talking to my mom a couple years ago about perimenopause and just asked, like, when was it that you really began to feel shifts? And she was like 35, 36. And that was when I began to feel shifts as well. But note that I have had other hormone issues in the past, and I feel like a lot of that lended to some of what was going on for me a little bit earlier than other women, And note that also there's a lot of women around this world who really do transition through perimenopause and menopause with ease and grace. And I think a lot has to do with a decrease in inflammation, a decrease in toxicity, a decrease in stress levels, because I think a lot of external factors very much play a role in our hormones. Goodness knows I've written a whole entire book on that and why those play a role as well. There's multiple chapters devoted to each and every one of those things that I mentioned. Sleep issue, cognitive issues, weight resistance, hormone changes, low libido, cravings. I mean, name it. I wrote a chapter on every single one of those. Fatigue, stress, insomnia. Because there's a lot of environmental factors that are going on that play a role here. So just know that that's also happening in the background. And that's why I wrote that book. Because I really wanted to give you more natural opportunities and remedies to really get to the core root of what's going on. So let's jump into some of the the biggest perimenopausal symptoms and signs that we normally see. I'm going to start with hot flashes and night sweats. It's estimated that 35 to 50% of women who are perimenopausal suffer from sudden waves of hot flashes or night sweats, right? And 10% of these women, this will persist well past menopause. You know, I meet women every single day in their late 60s and their 70s that something isn't right, that they're continuing to have these night sweats. And although doctors may not tell you why this is happening, they don't have a really big reason for what is going on, some of the biggest things that I have seen is insulin resistance a liver needing to detoxify, and chronic stress. Those tend to be some of the biggest things. But if I was looking specifically at insulin, we know that insulin is a hormone that delivers glucose or blood sugar from the bloodstream into cells where it's burned for energy. Now insulin resistance means that insulin is less efficient at making the delivery, like a male person who can't seem to make it to your house to get you those letters. So sugar levels rise in the blood. Now insulin resistance lurks beneath many of the most common symptoms one experiences during menopause. Not only hot flashes, but also fatigue, difficulty concentrating, and weight gain, and note that ins- insulin plays a major role in our overall metabolism. It has a profound impact on our thyroid hormones, vice versa, and even estrogen and reproductive hormones. It's so interesting to me how so many of these hormones have major interplay. So it's no surprise to me that when we see insulin resistance, that we may see an uptick of things like hot flashes, weight resistance, insomnia, brain fog, because all of those things are connected. So it's something to think about it's worth looking at insulin resistance as a problem for for addressing things like hot flashes and night sweats. I mean, clearly we know estrogen plays a major role here as well. And as estrogen is dipping, we're going to start seeing night sweats and then leading into those hot flashes. And yes, I've got a whole hot flash spray inside of the book, but basically I just love a little spray bottle with peppermint oil and clary sage, usually 10 drops of each and a little spritzer. I love just spritzing over. Also my superwoman blend is a great, great blend for helping to reduce hot flashes. Next is going to be PMS, premenstrual syndrome. Now, some women report more severe premenstrual syndrome during early perimenopause when cycles are still regular, such as, and these types of symptoms are gonna be normally swollen or tender breasts, water retention, bloating, anxiety, sleep disruption, and irritation. And what I see here is oftentimes decrease in progesterone levels and estrogen dominance. And that's the beginning of perimenopause. And when we begin to slowly see estrogen levels begin to dip and estrogen just hasn't done that yet, we begin to see an imbalance here where our PMS symptoms become worse. I can attest to this, especially when I am not good to myself for a month. Like I notice I, I can tell, you know, PMS is like the number one sign that I have not done my body right that month, that maybe I had too much stress, I was traveling too much, I was too much on the go, and maybe even made some more poor health choices. And it comes to bite me in the booty big time when I'm dealing with PMS. And all of those things I just mentioned, ooh, those are the things that I'm dealing with, including crazy mood swings. Ooh, goodness. So I have realized that if I, the better I take, care of myself, the better I implement lifestyle and I eat the right foods and I, I really love up on my body, the less my PMS symptoms are going to be rocking my world. And that's probably because my I'm, I'm able to help create that balance with progesterone and estrogen. Next, besides PMS symptoms happening, we will see menstrual cycles changing. One common menstrual cycle change in early perimenopause is shorter cycles, usually averaging two or three days less than usual, but sometimes lasting only two to three weeks. It can feel as though you're starting a period when the last one has just barely ended. Now, in later perimenopause, you may skip a period entirely, only to have it followed up by an especially heavy one the next month. It can be so inconsistent. Occasionally, menstrual periods will be skipped for several months and then return as regular as clockwork. And that's why this gets so confusing because sometimes you just don't even know what your body's doing. Now the hormone ups and downs of perimenopause can be the cause of almost any imaginable bleeding pattern. When estrogen is lower, the uterine lining gets thinner causing the flow to be lighter or lasts for just a few days. And when estrogen is high in relation to progesterone, sometimes connected with irregular ovulation, bleeding can be heavier and periods can may last longer. Menstrual irregularities are a normal part of this stage in a woman's life. If you or a healthcare provider that you're working with decided to make some efforts to regulate your cycles a little bit more, Just note that one of the things that is worth looking into, especially if your cycle is so erratic and the bleeding is so out of control, you're just not exactly sure what to do, I'd look into the bioidentical progesterone. I'd look into some progesterone and real progesterone because it can be a very mild intervention before you go into full hormone therapy or before other conversations come up, right? And the reason why I love this, and actually I go into more detail with Laura Brighton. Laura and I, I think it's episode 42. I'm just double-checking yeah, episode 42 with Dr. Laura Brighton was one of our most popular episodes. It was actually featured in the anniversary episode, which was episode 77, but it was this whole episode was what happens to your hormones in your 40s and how progesterone can help. So worth checking out because she goes into even more detail about progesterone. I'm not going to spend so much time there, but just note that that's usually the thing that I would recommend if we cannot seem to get your cycles on track or the bleeding is so heavy that doctors are potentially talking about a hysterectomy, a partial hysterectomy, I want you to know that progesterone is a great option first to help regulate those bleeding patterns because I recognize that that can be no fun. Other things that could be contributing to bleeding problems, just a heads up, is with less progesterone to regulate the growth of our endometrium, the uterine lining becomes thicker before it's shed, resulting in really heavy periods. Also, fibroids can play a role. Endometriosis can play a role. We know that both of these things are fueled by estrogen and become may become troublesome, especially during perimenopause when progesterone isn't protecting you as well as it used to. So just some things to be thinking about. That's why I think progesterone, if nutrition, if supplementation, if oils aren't helping, that would be the next step is to to look at that. The next thing that I see women start to see signs of is vaginal dryness. So during late perimenopause, failing estrogen levels can cause vaginal tissue to become thinner and drier. Vaginal dryness, which usually becomes worse after menopause, can even cause itching and irritation and may be the source of painful intercourse and the decrease of sexual desire. And there are lubricants and there's a lot of different things. One of my dear friends, Dr. Anna Kabeka, she makes a cream called Jolva. I've had her on the podcast as well. And I'll link to I'll link to Jolva actually in this podcast, just in case you want to check it out. If vaginal dryness has become such a major concern for you that it's really causing you discomfort. The next thing I wanted to bring up was going to be sleep disturbances. Now, about 40% of perimenopausal women have sleep problems. But let's be honest, millions of people have sleep issues. And what we're seeing is that studies have shown a relationship between night sweats and disrupted sleep. And that makes a lot of sense. I can imagine night sweats would wake you up I've had a couple night sweats already. They have woken me up, so I get it. But I also think that sleep disturbances, and we've talked a lot about this in the podcast, are due to mental chatter, are due to just having so much on our plate due to our modern world. One of the biggest things I advocate is having a sleep routine using your oils, especially oils like Roman chamomile, lavender, clary sage, vetiver, and sandalwood. You know, I have an entire chapter in the book where I go into this, but it's really super important to get into a sleep cycle that that really works for you. In terms of night sweats, normally what I'm recommending is to have a little spritzer in the bed. Or, you know, using my Superwoman blend or maybe even looking into a supplement, an adaptogenic supplement that could help, you know, again, progesterone as a bioidentical could be helpful down the road, but maybe not necessarily needed if you're using oils, if you're using adaptogenic herbs to help get your body back on track. The other thing I see a lot of, and I know I have myself have dealt with this, is mood swings, along with symptoms of anxiety and depression. Now, I will say that mood swings have rocked my world for years. They rocked my mama's world. They rocked my grandma's world. Anxiousness and depression it hasn't been as much of a concern for me personally, but we do know that there are a lot of women who seem to have exacerbated mood swings and symptoms of anxiety and depression increase during perimenopause. And we're not exactly sure, you know, a lot of research can demonstrate that estrogen and heading into menopause can link to higher depression levels. I personally think it has a lot to do with inflammation. I think gut inflammation, leaky gut, thyroid issues, Brain fog, all of that can lend to creating inflammation inside of the brain. I mean, brain fog is actually a cause of inflammation inside of the brain. I did do a whole episode on that. It was probably one of your favorite episodes on brain fog. When we really got into this topic, that wasn't too long ago. I'm just looking for that episode as well really quickly. I'm so glad I always have this in front of me. That was episode 72. And actually, I talk about the entire cause for brain fog. But even brain fog can lend to symptoms of of depression and anxiety down the road. And really what it, we're just looking at is inflammation of the brain. And how do we get that under control? And let me tell you, episode 72 is where it's at for that as well. But it has a lot to do with nutrition. It has a lot to do with supplementation, nutrient deficiencies, and making sure that the gut works properly. Um, both mood, mood swings, symptoms of anxiety and depression, even brain fog, all of those things we should be looking at really inflammation in the body, in the gut, in the liver, seeing what's going on there, making sure our thyroid hormones are working properly, Not to say that it can't be exacerbated by progesterone and estrogen, because goodness knows those are very connected to our our serotonin levels, to our GABA levels. They do have profound implications on how our brain function. There is no doubt about that. But it's also worth looking at how are we taking care of our bodies? What's our lifestyle looking like? How can we leverage the usage of essential oils for emotional well-being during those moments? Because goodness knows they have been a lifesaver for me over the years. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about, so those were the big ones. Those were the big, the big, big number, like top, top concerns regarding perimenopause and the transition. But what I also wanted to just mention is, you know, what is, what could also be the reason why we're dealing with some of these things? What I see often is modern life, stress about family, traffic, social isolation, pollution, processed food. All of that can tax the body and in turn, take our hormones for a nosedive before we should really be having to deal with some of that. So what I wanted to talk about, just to give a little bit of some solutions, is some easy ways to balance your body during this phase. And I'm gonna break this down into physical, chemical, and nurturing. So in terms of physical, this may be the time to hang up the running shoes and switch to lower impact exercise. And really, you gotta feel your body out. If you love to run, my mama loves to run. She is running, I think she's running 200 miles over the course of 36 hours in the net. I don't even know. She just texted me and told me something crazy that she's doing. And you know what? All the power to her if she loves to do it. But it's really figuring it out. I knew that in my mid-30s into my late 30s, I found that some lower impact exercise was really good for me. I couldn't continue to do all of the big high-intensity workouts anymore. I needed to really listen to my body and give it what it needed because there were times where I was literally working out and creating too much stress in the body, lending to chronic fatigue. So listening to your body, but also we need to keep the body moving to keep a healthy body weight, to keep our joints happy, to keep our heart happy, to keep our our hormones, and our mood happy. All of this matters. So walking during your lunch break, taking a weekend bike ride, or even a hike, join a local hiking club, or trying yoga, or meditation, Pilates, whatever it is that really fuels you. Just make sure that you're moving your body consistently every single day. That's going to be number one. Next is chemical. Now, most often we are sensitive to xenoestrogens in our meats, our plastics, our cleaning products, even our personal care products. And it's hitting us harder with the effects of sugar, alcohol, and caffeine. So if those are already in your diet, or you're consuming those, it's like a double whammy for the hormones. So let's figure out some ways to just relax and also reward ourselves because guess what? We still get to get rewarded. It may not be the things that are not making us feel good. So one of my favorite things to recommend is it can be as easy as doing a detox bath with some detox oils like grapefruit, rosemary, ginger, a little bit of, you know, one of my favorite other oils. Well, I said, I don't know if I said rosemary, but I meant to say rosemary as well. So just some oils that could really help kind of pull toxins out. Maybe dry brushing is something that you'd love to do. Replacing coffee with a green smoothie or matcha matcha latte. Replacing a glass of wine with a wok or a nice book to read. Eating as much organic food as possible, even if it costs a little bit extra. Swapping out our beauty and cleaning products for essential oil-based products. And my smart moms, guide to essential oils book is such a great place to start there and visit a sauna to sweat out some toxins you know at a a local gym or wherever you want to connect with those types of things that we can move out some of these chemical burdens it's going to be huge in part three of my book the 14-day hormone program a big part of that is nourishing the liver so we can dump a lot of this excess estrogens and excess chemicals out of the body so that when we move into perimenopause and menopause it just doesn't feel like such a rough ride And then nurturing ourselves. Goodness knows we all deserve that. We feel pressure from every angle at this point in our lives. And it is time to do us. So asking for help from your partner or your kids with chores. Consider a house cleaning service. Oh my gosh, I cannot tell you. Our house cleaners are coming over tomorrow I am so excited. I'll be at the gym when they come over, and it's just a nice thing. You know, Even when I could barely afford it, I still did it because it was just something I didn't want to do. Say no to projects or outings that you just don't want to do. Schedule a monthly massage, or maybe it is a monthly book reading moment for yourself, or a hike, or something that really fuels your body, and replace Facebook with a girl's night out. Those are just some things to really nurture your soul. And clearly, I have a lot of episodes here on the podcast that talks more about this. A couple of the things that I wanted you to know that the thing is, is that your body is gonna change. Eventually, you will ovulate less frequently, you may miss a period or two, and you may also get heavy periods because of it. But a lot of these symptoms can be alleviated with self-care. As I mentioned above, self-care options are such a great way to really take care of our bodies and nourish our bodies so that we ease this transition with grace. Many of us are working really hard in our careers with our families, so perimenopause comes on earlier and stronger. We often delay caring for ourselves, and really, it's time to call in those reinforcements and do this. The reason why I see perimenopause coming on earlier for women is that we are just completely burned out. No wonder our hormones are screaming at us a little bit earlier than they should be. So, if you are really bleeding heavily or having worrisome fatigue or memory loss or lack of periods before the age of 45, I do want to recommend finding a functional doctor that can really help. Finding a qualified functional medical doctor, naturopath, health coach, or medical doctor who can understand what's going on with your body and can really help get your body back on track. In short, I want to recommend and advocate getting the support and the care that you need and the person who can help you really support your efforts when you're going through this tumultuous time. So someone you can trust. And the thing of it is, is at the end of the day, you are worth it. You are doing so much for so many people. During this transition, you don't need extra on your plate. So take the time, take care of you. There's so many wonderful things that we can do. There's so many great practitioners out there. If the symptoms feel a little bit more out of control than you can manage, we've got some great natural solutions as well. And I know I'll have an opportunity to get further into those as we continue to explore this topic. Today was really about understanding what the heck is going on and the, some symptoms that can be alleviated as we're moving through that transition. Now, if you do want to truly get ahead of these symptoms, I do want to invite you to check out the book, The Essential Oils Hormone Solution. This newest book offers my step-by-step program to reset the body through focus and deliberate changes in daily self-care rituals, aided every step of the way through that superhighway with essential oils, powerful nutrition, movement, good sleep. I mean, everything I talked about today, I cover in this book with such great detail with protocols, self-care, oils. I mean, name it. It's all in there. And in part through the book, I actually lay out a full-on hormone rescue plan with recipes, self-care, movement, all of it I created just for you. And what we have I've learned recently is that over 2,000 women have completed the program so far, and the results have been transformational. And I just love that. And I will tell you that that 14-day hormone rescue plan, I created it not only because I personally needed it for myself many, many years ago, but I knew women needed a way to jumpstart their hormones and really give their body a chance to reset. And it's the perfect plan for someone going through perimenopause and menopause. I know because I built it for myself, and I am in perimenopause as well. Also, the book will give you amazing solutions for specific needs, including stress, chronic fatigue, sleep and insomnia, weight challenges, hormones during fertility, perimenopause, menopause, and dealing with a libido, emotional balance, cognitive function, digestion, and detoxification. So much of what we've covered today in this episode. Now, if you do grab the book or you've already grabbed the book, note that I've got some amazing bonuses that are designed to complement this beautiful book, and all you got to do is get that book wherever you want to buy it, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, local bookstores, I mean, it's everywhere, and then once you get the book, you're just going to go to to my website, my book bonus page, which is drmarisa.com hormone book, and it'll be In the show notes, you just click into that page. You put your name and your email in there, and voila, you've got my self-care rituals video series. you got my hormone masterclass series. You've got the best expert interviews on topics ranging from brain fog to liver detox to hormone-driven weight resistance. I mean, name it, thyroid issues. It's all in there. You get my supplement guide. You get my banished sugar guide and so much more. And again, I'll have all the show notes in this episode, episode 82, or you can just go to drmarisa.com slash hormone book. It'll all be there. So I want to make sure that I'm not leaving you hanging. I wrote a whole entire book for you ready to get you started. Now that you have a sense of what is going on or what to look out for, you now can get yourself armed and ready to manage that with amazing ease and grace. So I just want to say thank you for stopping by and listening into this episode. It was so much fun to create for you. And in this next episode, I am bringing on a dear friend of mine, Dr. Jessica Patras, And we're going to be talking about how stealth infections impact our hormones and how we can get to the root cause of those infections. Yes, it goes deeper down the rabbit hole, but understanding stealth infections are super important It was a stealth infection that led to my hajimoto's diagnosis and it's doctors like Dr. Jessica Petros who's really spearheading a lot of this research and information about the implications of stealth infections and how they can have crazy implications for us especially as we're transitioning through perimenopause and menopause. So you're going to want to check out that episode. It's coming up next. I can't wait to see you there. Until then, have an amazing day.